Morgan, you want to talk about Lisa Claypaz? I do want to talk about Lisa Claypaz. I don't know if either of you have the right to talk about Lisa Claypaz. This is really a very fair. good point. This is a really good point. I had read one romance novel, was interested in reading a second one, <laughs> when I was exposed to the virulent passion of Lisa Claypaw's fans. I'm going to make a statement right now. Tell me if this is fair or unfair. It's unfair. Lisa Claypaw <laughs> is the Danielle Steele of our generation. Mm, I don't no, know. I don't think so. I mean, like, to me, Danielle Steele, even if you've never read her books, she is synonymous with the romance genre. People know Danielle Steele when they know very little about the genre. And I think Lisa Claypaw is one of those people, like, if I was in a bar and I got on the microphone because it was karaoke night, and I said, oh, where are my romance fans at? I'd get married be like one person who's not really a romance fan going like, what? But if I got on a microphone in a bar and I said, Lisa Claypaw is overrated, then I would get a reaction. I don't think you'd get the same reaction if you said Daniel Steele was overrated. I think Daniel Steele is so like maybe passe, but she was passe in her moment but, too. But I think like Lisa Claypaw is in her moment, and I think part of being in this moment, being a part of the culture, capital T, capital C is being polarizing in some ways. People have to have a strong opinion about you for you to be relevant. This is hard because I don't have any social context for Lisa Claypaw. It's a purely personal experience with her. What do you mean by social context? Like, I don't know. Is this the first time you're learning that Lisa Claypaw is a wildly popular author? I mean, I know that she's a bestseller, but I wouldn't say I've ever interacted with somebody else that I knew who had read her or knew who she was. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. The only time I've ever heard a romance novelist discussed was in an episode of the animated Spider-Man where he said, this is like a Nora Roberts novel. And I thought that must be the mark of success. If you are referenced in a cartoon and that means something. Until you guys mentioned that Devil in Winter was like a huge thing of discussion, I would never have known that. So why do you love Lisa Claypaw? Her novels fucking rock. What rocks about them? I guess I would just say that like every Lisa Claypaw's novel I've read almost I will read again. And that some of her novels have been there in times of my life when I really like needed them. What do you think makes her so like compelling and or comforting? We think about her scope of work. I haven't read her earliest stuff, which is pretty late 80s, early 90s. Like there's some rapey stuff in her earlier books mm -hmm. that kind of phases out in her later things. I think she has an enjoyable use of history in most of her novels. I think her heroines are pretty solidly likable, that her heroes often deserve the heroines. Not in her latest series, which has been really bad and has really bummed me out because it's all been pretty rotten. Her sex scenes are great. Her novels have this kind of weird arc to them where there's a lot of early romance and then a long period of time when they're in a relationship and like married or dating and like having sex regularly. And it's like this weird plotting that I like because mm -hmm. it's like them actually having a relationship with each other. Yeah, the weddings always come really early in Lisa Claypaw's because she's less interested in like getting to the altar in like the sense of like a comedy, mm -hmm. in the sense of like building a marriage or building a relationship built on trust and like mutual interest and like the things that we think about that last in romance the altar scenes usually come between like page 95 and like 150 and then they're left with each other trying to figure out like how does marriage work yeah which i think is an honest thing especially in historical romance totally. that they're often trying to figure out who the other person is at but that point also, like 
an interesting question for long-term relationships in general. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. I think it's nice to have some of the male characters who are like, you know, dashing or sexy or dangerous or mysterious trying to adjust to a life that's domestic and like what that means. So I think those things are all really compelling, but really it's mostly just that she has really good sex scenes. She does have really great sex scenes. I think all of my Lisa Claypas books fall open to the sex scenes. In fact, I could probably tell you a lot about her sex scenes in detail. If you like cited a book, I could be like, here's the first sex scene and here's how what it's like. Let's try it. Randomly select a Lisa Claypas book, Isbo. Just not her first five. Love in the afternoon. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so he's a soldier who has a lot of PTSD issues, and he hasn't slept with a woman in a really long time, so he has a lot of anxiety about the idea of having sex with her because he feels like he's going to lose control. And, like, murder her. Yeah, oh. like, rip her open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like, that is a fear that he has, that he'll murder her in the throes I like how, I like how Kim does a quick, like, <laughs> no, not really, and then Isabel's like, literally. <laughs> this scene is great. So the first time that they have, like, intercourse, mm-hmm. he has had this episode he emotionally cuts himself off from her she says where are you he says i'm fine but he knows he's disconnected from her so she's sitting where between did he get, wait where did he get ptsd the pneumonia of course yeah. He was a sniper. So she's sitting between his knees and then she like pushes herself up and kisses him. And he says his heart like lists to the side, like it starts beating again. And then she starts taking off her clothes and he's like, what are you doing? And then she just looks at him and it causes the hair to raise on the back of his neck. And it's just this great scene. It's this great scene. And afterwards he's like, oh, she's trembling. And then he says, no, I'm the one trembling. She's holding me. Because you're mine. Oh, this one is very upsetting. This was the turning point for me and Lisa. Okay, so this represents the worst side of Lisa Claypots, which is that it's this girl, Maddie, who runs away from boarding school and being engaged to this wealthy old man. And she decides, I'm going to sleep with this hot actor and ruin myself so I can never be married. So the lead up is actually pretty hot because he's like reading Shakespeare to her. And they're like laying amongst these cushions in his house. And it's after he's finally decided, I'm just going to give it up and like, you know, have sex with this young, innocent girl. An ingenue. Mm -hmm. So they have this beautiful scene where they make love, where she's all like oh my god so revolutionary and then he finds out that she's a virgin and like a dignified young lady and then he spends the rest of the novel punishing her like at one point she rides him at his desk in his chair pregnant and he's like "Mm, you're the only one I want for now to punish her to see the look in her eyes when she like feels bad about what he said to her. Yeah, he's a bad dude. That one's a bad one. Why do you think she, can we psychoanalyze her books? I bet you could make some pretty accurate assessments of Lisa Clayposs the person. I don't want to, honestly. You don't want to? No. Why? Because I enjoy a lot of her novels. You feel like maybe you'd cut to some deep truth about yourself? No, it's just that I can reread a lot of them even though they're not the best. Mm -hmm. Because I still enjoy them on a certain level. Like the Bow Street series, it's like kind of a mixed bag. The first one where she's like supposedly a prostitute but has amnesia and he lies that they had sex at some point. What? It was like really problematic. She likes to invent a lot of angst. I think that's one of the differences that I think is really important about like Lisa Claypass versus like Julia Quinn, who's Mm. also of her ilk. And like even Caroline Linden or Tessa Dare, where it's like Lisa Claypass is really invested in creating not only historical angst, which is super rife but also like contriving a kind of angst that doesn't necessarily have to be in her novels and sometimes it works like the PTSD novel is like I think a fucking brilliant work of fiction talking about our moment through a historical one but some of her other books I'm like, what, <laughs> what the, the fuck? fuck are you doing Lisa 
Yeah, she, I mean, some of her villains, she has some female villains that are really unfortunate. Yeah. You know, like, she'll have a great heroine, but then, like, the evil ex-lover who's insane and wants to kill the wife because she's taken her man, or, like, the shallow girl, and even, like, Love in the Afternoon, Mm -hmm. who just kind of sucks in general. That would be, like, a major flaw in her novels, I think. But there's something about the intensity between the two characters that usually really works well. And I feel like she sells the heroes in a way that works most of the time. Like, I feel like for me in a romance novel, I'm always going to be super invested in the heroine. Whatever she says is how it goes, and she's never wrong. And she, like, mm-hmm. can never be negative mm-hmm. in my eyes. And so I feel like the hero has to work the entire novel just to deserve her. Mm-hmm. That's, like, my basic opinion. And I feel like a lot of Lisa Kleypas novels do that. Some obviously fail horribly, like, because you're mine. Um, really both of the theater books. <clears throat> but I think that they're often able, they just say things sometimes in the exact right way that like really sells you on it and they're all pretty sexy mm-hmm. so like you keep coming back to Lisa Claypaws writes really good sex scenes and Isabeau you agree mm-hmm. and so I think that begs the question what makes a really good sex scene in a romance novel first off it builds anticipation like Lisa Claypaws can plant a seed and then like refer back to it her sex scenes are self-referential in a way that I think is really tight and stylistically really effective but when you're reading a sex do you ever think like this is stylistically really effective like what is effective about the no it's like it's the refer back right so like you have why is that effective because it's mid-peak denouement higher peak denouement like it's the way in which she's building peaks and like the way in which then the penultimate sex scene builds on everything else that's come before feels not only supernatural not like supernatural but like (laughs) super pause natural and like that is so good like the scene that you talked about like she thought she was trembling but no he was the one shaking Mm -hmm. and like that comes from like a series of places where like you know that he shakes when he feels strong emotions or before he goes into a blackout or before he goes into one of his rages and so like the fact that like that seed has already been planted when they've been together before so then it like feels particularly meaningful Mm -hmm. when they've had sex and they're both like in it mm-hmm. in a way. Like I was reading a Stephanie Lawrence novel. Her the sex other day. scenes are so weird. Her sex scenes are like he. So the guy was super detached. He was thinking about like the ways to pleasure her. He was an expert at pleasuring her. Like blah blah. blah. Like I don't want that. Like I want the guy to be like on the cusp of like you know losing it and like super crazy with desire and I think that Lisa Kleypas really gets how to do that. I think she also is a particular kind of fantasy of sex which is often the heroine will be like what do I need to do and he says you don't even need to try. Great. (laughs) Sweet relief. You know like it's kind of providing this thing where like she's always going to be great at sex just because of their connection. I think that's kind of like allaying a certain anxiety. Totally. And like she does it in ways that are funny even in like her shitty theater books. Like the whole reason why you have that ingenue virgin who's trying to seduce like the Shakespearean actor. Trying to escape a shitty betrothal plot Mm -hmm. back home he knows that she's like inexperienced but because he thinks that she's a serious actress he assumes that she has some experience because actresses are selling something you know she says something to the effect of like i haven't done this a lot before and like yeah he's like oh like i didn't expect you to but like you know just tell me what it is that you like and we'll work from there and like all you're right it's like all the ways in which like you're laying the fear of like 
performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. All of the women don't have to perform. They just have to be in it. And the men are already in it because they love them so much. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there is some lack of variety in her sex scenes. Like, there aren't a lot of blowjobs. If that's a thing that you're into, they'll, like, do it for a second. Then, like, that's good. Yeah, and they don't need to do it. about to come down your throat and you're not going to Yeah. After, like, doing it for two seconds, which yeah, is also a nice oh fantasy. <laughs> like, that was so amazing. <laughs> which is a moment in Devil in Winter, right? Where it's like, oh, she didn't really know what she was doing. She, like, trailed kisses down the shaft. Oh, my God, it's so great. Yeah. You know, so I think she just kind of hits a nice, like, middle point in her scenes. Plus, there's a lot of them. Yeah, she's not playing coy. Yeah, she has entered a really interesting trend I've noticed in her last few novels, which is about, like, the tension of, like, the guy coming inside the girl, which wasn't in her early novels, of, like, the woman being like, do it. Oh. Which I'm intrigued by, like, that pattern in her Especially in historic novels, where it's, like, coming inside of you has real lasting Real fucking consequences. Yeah. And it's, like, not only is it pregnancy, but it's also fucking syphilis, man. Yeah. But it's also, like, in, like, a Peralta novel, like, whenever a character is, like, come inside me, it, like, creates this anxiety for both people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is your jizz good enough? (laughs) You know, which is something, like, I think even in our modern day, safe sex, whatever, contraceptive, high-end world, I think there's still something about, like, a full release. Yeah. I mean, I do. But then I don't know if I'm conditioned by Lisa Claypaws or not. (laughs) (laughs) I read her, I started reading her in middle school, so way before. (laughs) Reading the shit in middle school, man. Yeah. Like, we all agree our media conditions our expectations sure. for sex, right? But to think about it in a really tangible way, like, this object has created these expectations for me as a sexual being. Yeah. That's kind of wild to think about. It is. And when it's not, I don't know, because there was a long time where I thought I would just never have sex. And I kind of got into a place where I was okay with that. Because I felt, like, much safer than ever having to, yeah. like, realize the failure of reality. Yeah. Um, and how disappointing it would probably be. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because how do you, if you've been reading romance novels from such a young age, reconcile that with the reality of sexual relations? It's, like, really complicated. Do you want to speak to that? Like, how reconciliation has gone? I don't know. I think it's convinced me that, like, I don't know. It's really complicated. I think having casual sex seems a lot harder in some ways Mm. after reading a lot of romance novels because I'm like I want to feel special yeah and so that's like a hard thing where I'm like I don't even want to make out with a guy unless I know he really likes me as a person which is kind of a bummer sometimes unless his internal monologue that is for sure running during our lovemaking and then you can 100% see in his clandestine eyes (laughs) as they lock inside yours that Kim girl's cool rakish yeah (laughs) this rakish robe is like wow she's so cool I love her brains her bangs are also nice. I mean, they are. <laughs> they, they are nice. I had a drunk girl tell me your bangs are fucking perfect the other night. Wow. They're really good. I know, they're pretty. I mean, they were $10. $10 bangs? Yeah, look out. But the point is, like, when you read romance novels, then you automatically have always the tension of, am I letting my expectations be guided by romance novels, right? People always talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, People I mean, I think about, about that. that. I can start reading romance novels until I was 26. Yeah. In a relationship. A really long relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, 
are my How has it affected your expectations? It hasn't really, but I have thought about, like, will it? Is it? I do think about this a lot, because I started reading romance novels in eighth grade. I heard that criticism, especially in high school, Mm -hmm. so when I stopped reading romance novels, I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to, like, pollute my brain neurons or whatever, (laughs) and, like, ways of thinking of how men and women are supposed to react. And then I started reading them again in college, and I've been thinking about it a lot this year with this project of this podcast, and the thing that I've decided is that the expectations in romance novels aren't wrong. Like, our heroines want to be respected, our heroines want to be special, our heroines want to be seen for who they are, essentially. Like, there's this moment of recognition that's super important, and I'm like, that's actually fucking what I want from my relationship. Like, that's what I want in my marriage. I want to be seen. That's also probably, think about this idea of articulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about with Rupert. Mm-hmm. Authors can articulate in a way that human beings, like I couldn't explain my feelings the same way an author does. I say it poorly all the time. Exactly. I say it poorly all the time <laughs> is correct. And I think like an expectation for either party to say it correctly every time is maybe the 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 dangerous expectation. I don't think that, like, I feel any less love or I am loved less just because it's never been stated to me in the clear, elegant, swirling language (laughs) of a romance novel. I think the main struggle I have sometimes with romance novels is that romance novels sometimes bum me out about my own love life. Just in that, like, like Rupert says, oh, he'd never been bored for a moment with Daphne. And I'm like, that's great, but I need to know that you can be bored yeah I think that's the thing about maybe what's special about Lisa Clayposs and this discussion about what it is because like romance novels generally start like with a meet cute and then you have the lead up to a sex scene and then you have a lead up to another sex scene you have like a moment of miscommunication and you end in a wedding mm-hmm. and what's great about Lisa Clayposs is that she like bypasses that model and move meet cute to wedding and then relationship where they're mm-hmm. tied together and like that's not exactly how long-term relationships work but kind of and this, in the terms of like there has to be space for boredom and there has to be space for miscommunication and there has to be space for somebody not to say it right yeah and I think romance novels do that as well where somebody's mm-hmm. like la 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 and then the heroine will be like you said what and he's like I didn't mean it the way that you just said it but like kinda but that's we the, the rest of my argument but we the reader always know yeah. his true feelings we have mm-hmm. access to that but I think also reading enough of these on top of each other there's an there's like love miscommunication is like really really universal in these novels and it's also really universal in relationships except we don't have the benefit of knowing the miscommunication is mm-hmm. like a real thing and maybe it's not even like a miscommunication in a real relationship it's like a lack of expression i've just begun assuming that my husband thinks all of these beautiful things about me and I don't hear them because he can't express them. That's nice. His eyes tell me. Sometimes I feel like romance novels, like when I start reading a lot of romance novels in my relationship, sometimes I feel like they make the relationship better Mm -hmm. because it makes me feel more things about relationships and then I want to like feel more things with my boyfriend and also have sex with him more Mm -hmm. and be like, go down on me more. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay here and chill. So I think that that's a nice thing is that, you know, sometimes they just kind of inspire like a higher libido or like a higher yeah, enthusiasm yeah. for love yeah. when you're 
then you get kind of bored. Yeah, like an enthusiasm for what's going on. Yeah, so that can be really nice. They're complicated. They do have some unrealistic expectations. So you do believe, like, your reading of romance novels influences your personal life, your real life. Totally. Hard not to. These things are so affective, and, like, their entire, like, programming is to affect you, and they do a good job. Like, I am affective. And they're women that I like Mm -hmm. and that I admire. And want to be like. Yeah, and I think that that's really powerful, too. Like, all of Loretta Chase's characters, I think, are, like, so fucking cool. And such a great lesson in, like, just allowing yourself to, like, be super emotional or to be super passionate and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they're just, like, a really cool safe space. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Do you think you get something from reading Lisa Clayposs that you wouldn't get from reading another author or just your own inner resources? I wouldn't say I've read as widely as like Isabeau has in terms of authors. Yeah. Typically I choose like a couple. Originally when I started branching out in like ninth grade, I went on this website and I started at A of their reviews and I worked my way through C. Wow. So actually just I would like go through and be like, okay, I want four stars or above. Yep. Yeah. And What's then I'd read a summary. Website? I can't even remember. But they rated things in hearts. So most of the authors okay. I've read are letters A through C because that was how far I got that before I got so tired. That's funny. That's really good. I don't remember the first Lisa Clipa's book I read actually which is weird I don't remember the origin of her in my life she's just always been there so it's hard for you to like even extract her from the genre generally totally I don't know most of her novels are just really good except for the last four and maybe some and maybe some others I mean when you're gonna write like 28 books or something like yeah I mean she's not even the most prolific that's true who is the most prolific Nora Roberts has written over 208 novels. Yeah, she's- but it is weird to think, like, Lisa Claypa's in my mind, like, when I try and think of how old she is, too. She's, like, a... She's just the picture, and I can't think of her ever aging. Even though her novels, I think, reflect, like, a certain amount of aging, maybe. Yeah. Or a certain amount of, like, not being into writing them. Or she's just not inspired as much as she used to be. Wow. But I don't know. Here's the first problem with this series, which is that she's gone back to the well of Sebastian and Evie. They are a part of this series, which I'm not really into, like, kids of other books. That's a romance thing, though. It is, but I'm not super into it. Lawrence does it a lot. I hear that. I'm not interested in children appearing in romance novels at all. I don't like pregnancies. I love pregnancies in romance novels. They had so many stakes. I don't like the idea of children growing up and then having sex with each other. Yeah, it's also just like, because then the scenes between Evie and Sebastian are just going to be like kind of boring. The first book in the series was kind of rapey. He almost died twice. That's good. I love a whiff of death. So he almost dies in a train accident. Amazing. I love trains. Comes out of the river and he's like, you know what? I've realized a lot about my life. And what I've really realized is that I just want to fuck this girl. Whoa. And then just spends like the novel kind of like harassing her. So Stranger in My Arms. Tell me about this book. That's a great book. Have you read that one? No, I haven't. That's the one where her husband dies in India. Well, on a boat back from India. He was horrible. He had a mistress. Their sex life was terrible. But when he comes back from the dead, he's like, oh, I changed my ways. Because my mistress changed me? Or because I'm not really this oh, person. Stranger in my arms. Yeah. 
That sounds really great. In my arms. And she's that super into so orphans sense. because she thinks she's barren, and oh. so she's really into trying to save this boy that's in their village. That one also has a lot of like domestic violence questions because mm. her sister is in an abusive relationship. You should read Devlin Spring though. That one's about a girl who wants to design board games. And I've read it. Did you like it? I did. I liked it way better than Devil in Winter. I, really? Yeah. I thought the sex scenes were kind of boring. Uh, he was like a little bit of bondage. Is my thing. Yeah. What wasn't great. What's a little bit of bondage? Just like scotch tape around <laughs> two fingers. He like ties her up one time a little bit and he's like, mm. I'm so dirty and wrong. You know, I, you know, I've kind of got a pet peeve with people being like, I think there should be like a special classification. If you like bondage and that, you're like, look at me being naughty. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like, look at how daring and sexy I am. I'm being so daring and sexy. Like Anastasia Steele in Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah. She gets her little wrist tied and she's like, ooh, this is bad. I like this. Like, that should have its own classification because people <laughs> who are really into like, who like learn how to tie special knots mm. like they and are wear harnesses like there's like a different level going on here like if you're interested yeah. in bondage I get peeved off whenever people are like I'm kind of kinky and it's like oh really like yeah one time I put on a sleep mask <laughs> and then someone put fuzzy handcuffs on me I'm uh, like I just don't believe that that's being into bondage right really. and also Fifty Shades of Grey I've only seen the movies I actually haven't read the books though my dad has and loves them. Wow. Which is a conversation I never thought I would have. Also, when I was a teacher, the ladies in the office, all 50 and above, were like, oh, you look so much like the girl in the movie, which what? I was really uncomfortable with That's a nice as an idea. She's no. a lovely girl. You look like a girl who would have her mouth open all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they meant. As a girl who does have her mouth open all the time, and not in a sexy way, in the style of Dakota Johnson, I wish my mouth was open all the time. Yeah. Oh, no. Instead of just, like, slack-jawed. <laughs> I want to understand, like, of all the writers in all the world, why Lisa Claypas? I think, I don't want to speak for you. No, go ahead. But I think one of the things that's special about how you get into romance is, like, your gateway author. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing about romance is that you do have gateway authors who have series upon series. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you don't have to venture into other authors unless, like, you're seeking it. I spent most of my college just reading and rereading Tessa Dare, Julia Quinn, and Caroline Linden. I didn't want to move out of there because I, A, didn't have to, and B, I was happy doing the thing that I was doing because I was getting the thing that I wanted. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later that I was like, this is kind of limiting, and like, I need mm -hmm. a new pasture. But I think Lisa Claypass is in that mode. She's got depth and breadth. Yeah. Yeah, I think she also is a little bit different from other authors writing historical novels because she is interested too in writing a lot of like middle class characters mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is really more intriguing for me than aristocracy because mm -hmm. they normally have more interesting jobs more interesting concerns mm -hmm. like the yeah. history is a little bit more intriguing to me mm -hmm. there are only so many house parties yeah, only so that you can balls. read about I also really like Laura Lee Gerke for that reason I haven't read her she almost exclusively writes about low or middle class women mm. have you read Lisa Claypas's contemporary stuff? No, Lisa Claypas is contemporary. You ever read the Travises? No. What? So one of her modern contemporary ones got made into a Hallmark movie. <gasps> yeah. What's it called? Christmas with Holly. God or something like that. Damn it. Yeah. 
Um, so there's I, the there's the Friday Harbor series, which is in like a Pacific Northwest Island called Friday Harbor. It's not a woman's name. No. Okay. And that one is like, ooh, look at a little bit of magic. Ooh, like practical magic? Mm, not so cool. Mm. More like, I make glass and it's kind of maybe magic. Oh, I make food that. and it maybe makes you feel things. Um, I already saw Simply Irresistible. I don't need oh anything else. Oh my god, I love Simply Irresistible. That's how I sold my brother on the romance novel he was supposed to read. I was like, it's kind of like Simply Irresistible. But the hero doesn't suck as much as that guy does. Yeah, seriously. The other one that was so big, her Texas series, hugely popular. I I have, and I will say this consciously, I have really stayed away from books about Texas. Understandable. Why? Texas is too big for me. That's not the reason. <laughs> I saw you formulating it in your head behind your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for example, in her Texas series, they're all involved in like the oil business. Ew. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we like hunting and good old boys and things like that. she's not from Texas. No. She lived there for a while. Where'd she live? I don't remember. Houston or Dallas? I think it was Houston. She likes Houston better than she likes Dallas. But that series is actually really important in my life. So I have like a really big attachment to two of those novels. Mm -hmm. The other two are really bad. That's just kind of how it goes. It's interesting to me the way in which like your rise and fall of Lucy Clay Pass, like the way in which we forgive author. Yeah. Even when their books are terrible and rainy. I mean, you we forgive what? Hemingway for all of his bad stuff. Do we? But I Most also think do. there's something about like a romance author that like whenever they disappoint you, like the likelihood of them changing is way higher than like mm. Hemingway. Than like Hemingway or Dave Eggers or you know like once they like if we talk about literature with a capital L. Once they start going down a certain route, it's hard to forgive them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, romance authors, it's like, they're writing so much. And they've got a different kind of toolbox. Yeah. Right? It's kind of partially about craftsmanship. And if you lean on your ability to craft a story, then it'll probably be good. It'll probably work out. Whereas, is- like, if you have to lean on your ability to be creative and brilliant and insightful and you're probably going to let people down. I mean, we forgive, like, fantasy and sci-fi writers all the time. Yeah, it's definitely a thing about genre fiction. But now, how often do you forgive a romance novelist before you give up on them? That's a really interesting... Two books? Two books! No more than that. I'm foreign, so... I don't know how long I'm going to go on Lisa Claypaw's before (laughs) I give up. (laughs) Probably... I didn't finish the last one. That's a long time since I can say that. One is about domestic violence. So you actually don't even have the romance start until, like, 100 pages in. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And the other one, she's, like, a advice columnist from Austin who takes on care of her sister's baby that she abandoned. And that one's pretty good, too. Not so. interested in children. Nothing is less sexy to me than the direct result of sex. I don't know how you're going to have to tackle our surprise pregnancy romance when we get there. It's not happening. It has to. Yeah, that's a pretty essential thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real trope. Surprise pregnancy. That's real life. Yeah. It's also real romance. Listen, if you have a surprise baby, the father will probably fall in love with you. Uh, he was already in love with you. He was just looking for a reason to, like, stay. True in romance and <laughs> true in life. <laughs> advice from romance. <laughs> Officially sanctioned romance advice. Poke a little hole in all the condoms. Pull out your IUD yourself. Did he make a fat joke to your face about you? You know what kind of fat he'll appreciate when you get back to his child. 
there's actually a series I really liked in middle school about Navy SEALs that made me want to be a Navy SEAL. Romance novels help you set your dreams. They do. Except I'm opposed to exercise, so it didn't happen. But, (laughs) and like book three, there's like this couple that you know will get together eventually, but he gets a girl pregnant, has a baby with her, marries her, and then later on there's a romance novel with him and this other girl. And you were like... God, I just want that career. (laughs) I want to be emotionally broken down by an institution. And then I want to fall in love with someone else. I want to carry backpacks across long stretches of desert. And logs. Logs. So if if someone was was new to the genre, Mm -hmm. what Lisa Claypost novel would you give them? I mean, you talked about Suddenly You being a pretty safe choice. Because it's standalone as well. I think that's pretty important. I might say Secrets of a Summer Night could be an interesting choice. Can you explain your choices? No. Yes. (laughs) Suddenly You has a lot of sex. That's all pretty good. Mm -hmm. But it's got some good emotional engagement. It's got a heroine who is curvaceous. Mm -hmm. Which is always going to appeal to me. And I think it's also got an interesting world. Mm-hmm. She's a writer. He's a literary... Publisher. Yeah. And it kind of has that dynamic that she likes like a ruthlessly aggressive but also emotionally sensitive hero. That's to kind of come to terms with his feelings. Mm-hmm. It's a fun concept from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, a misunderstanding about prostitutes on your 30th birthday. <laughs> Who hasn't had that happen? I also love me. I'm under 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a birthday gift that she's giving herself. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I love all of that. I think, yeah, like the premise of Suddenly You is super, super good. And it's a, it feels like a long relationship mm-hmm. of them getting to know each other. They have an affair for several months. Then they are separate for several months and they get married and are doing that for a while. And then spoilers, miscarriage, and then dealing with the trauma of that uh-huh. and trying to be, you know, sensitive to that idea. I just think it's a really mature book it is it feels mature and like there's also the introduction of the gentleman like mr brown or whatever who like oh yeah wants to marry her he's a children's book writer yeah he's pretty great yeah um most of her series starters are pretty good Mm -hmm. i think i would agree yeah she starts really strong she's a high note craftsman but yeah she's not uncomplicated no certainly not she doesn't sound uncomplicated Mm mm-hmm well, I'm convinced. I want to talk about Suddenly You with someone else who doesn't know anything about the genre and has no business talking about Lisa Claypaws. I think you'll have fun. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I'm excited. We right. should come back and we should read The Hathaways together. What's The Hathaways? It's all of the times of day. It's all of the times of day. <laughs> yes. It feels like a fucking riddle. What are The Hathaways? The Hathaways is all the times of day. Mine till midnight. Love in the afternoon. No, you skipped, you skipped two. Yeah, I skipped two. You actually skipped three. Okay, there are five of them. No, no, let Kim list them off. I want to watch this. Do it. It's super easy. Mine's till midnight. It's Amelia and Cam. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. And then Seduce Me at Sunrise, which is Maripan and Wynn, which is not very good. Mm Maripan? Yeah. You think it's going to be good, and then it's not. It's the worst one. Yeah. Even though there's a moment where he looks at her, and he's like, he wants to fill her with his seed. (laughs) He's gross. Also, Wynn isn't that great of a heroine. Yeah, no, it's really weird. And then the third one is Tempt Me at Twilight. Yeah. Also okay. Not great. He's super possessive and rapey. Yeah. He, like, ruins her relationship with another guy on purpose, which is kind of strange. He's like a Mr. Selfridge. He owns a hotel. Yeah. Which is kind of sexy. Mr. Selfridge, doesn't he own a department store? Yeah. But he's, like, self-made. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then there's Married by Morning, 
which is also weird, but I really like that one. I like that one, too. Yeah. Married by morning. There's a scene where he's like, no, in bed, you do what I tell you to do. And then she, like, looks down in shame, and then they do it really hard. <laughs> and you're like, this is horrible. I'm so into it. Um, and then Love in the Afternoon. Married by morning, there's an amazing chase scene where she, like, leaves, and then he, like, comes out. That is one where they, like, they're always trying to have sex with each other and it never quite works. Oh. And it's just, like, a lot of sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Also, she's this, like, mean... Why doesn't it work? Lots of things. They're trying not to have sex, but they just can't resist. They love um, each other. Yeah, she's, like, a prickly governess mm-hmm. who dyes her hair dark on purpose and, like, is she's all severe. Her identity. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. So that's that series. It's actually pretty. So what is your all-time favorite Lisa Clayposs? I will, I will always have a different answer. Maybe it's where dreams begin. Now I might have my favorite sex scene. You also just talk for a minute about these fucking titles. What, they all sound is, the same. What is that? <laughs> but they also, like, am I in a very earnest and sweet musical? Mm. Where well, dreams begin. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> is this a Sondheim before he got weird? <laughs> Sondheim was always weird. Sure. Sweeney Todd was his college thesis. <laughs> Sounds Where great. Dreams begin. Where Dreams Begin. Have you read that one? No. Lady Holland Taylor. Named after the actress, apparently. Oh, named directly after the actress Holland Taylor. It must I be. I love it already. She's a widow. She had a marriage of true love. She has a daughter, though, so you're not going to be into it. But she's not very important. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other thing. Like, the children hardly matter. Why bother? I don't know. To, like, throw another, like, thing in the way. Like, we can't have sex with a kid, you know? Yeah, that kid's watching. Don't wake up. Hello? So this wealthy former boxer named Zachary something hires her to, like, make him and his sister and his mom into, like, respectable people so they can, like, mixed amongst like the higher aristocracy and then they like fall in love and it's really good and she rides him in the summer house and that's the sex scene you like the best it's really good it's her first ever orgasm and she doesn't know what's happening and he like walks her through it and holds her she says out loud i think i'm gonna pee on you (laughs) okay Oh, is that what guys say? (laughs) Yeah. Guys don't immediately freak out and say, oh my god, no. Anyway, that one's really good, too. Even though a ghost shows up later. (laughs) I love it! The main character's name is Holland Taylor, named for the actress. There's a boxer who wants to enter high society, and his only means is this, like, single mom. And And there's a ghost. And there's a ghost. And a woman who had a healthy relationship before him. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So. Very cool. What's the worst one? I know the most recent one that I had a really terrible reaction to was Cold Hearted Rake. That was a very apropos title. And I really hated it. But maybe Brown Eyed Girl. Brown Eyed Girl is really bad. Really fucking bad. What's Brown Eyed Girl? It was based on, like, her song series. Is like, you can tell. Brown Eyed Girl. What are, what are it's the... It's Blue Eyed Devil. No, it's Sugar Daddy, Blue-Eyed Devil, Smooth-Talking Stranger, Brown-Eyed Girl. So it was the fourth book in her Texas series that she wrote way later because people made her. And you feel like they made her because it's super short, but it was published in hardback and way too expensive. And it's about this wedding planner who's overweight and dealing with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. Oh my god, should I ever find myself in a Tinder situation, that's going to be my job. <laughs> Hi, my name is Morgan, I'm overweight and dealing with it. It's really horrible, and like he like 
is a photographer and like takes pictures of her naked and she's like oh insecurity cured i feel great and that's like the end of her conflict it's very strange no like she has a series of titles that are definitely named after songs it's brown eyed girl someone to watch over me like they're not all in the same series oh okay brown eyed girl it sounds exactly it sounds very evocative of the song brown eyed girl also someone to watch over me those are song titles i know they're song titles but i'm saying this like i mean she also has a book about a a prostitute named vivian like pretty woman Oh. 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 Well, it's nice to know that Lisa Claypass is, like, a slave to popular culture, just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Hey, where did we go? She had a weak bondage novel with a video game designer. The title underneath her title page is, A Well-Read Woman is a Dangerous Creature. I think that that's not great. That's reaching. <laughs> no, I just need, like, a Marilyn Monroe quote under that. <laughs> It'll be good. Like, one of those made-up Marilyn Monroe quotes. Like, whenever people are like, Marilyn Monroe is a size 12. And I'm like, this is not the argument you should be making. And it's also a... Just if you can't thing. handle me when I'm shitty, then you don't deserve nice me or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were super into people all the time yourself. She has so many books, you guys. She's a good number. Uh, I feel like I've learned everything I need to know about Lisa Claypost, the well, author. you haven't until you've read it. I walk you should so, read all of them. Somewhere I'll find you. Except for Midnight Angel. They all sound like threats. <laughs> some of them are. Distinctly because threats. Because your mind, somewhere I'll find you. They're not threats, they're promises. <laughs> Suddenly. <laughs> also, you should read Suddenly You first because it's the only one that has ass play. Mm. For one moment. For one moment. <laughs> well, we're going to... Into a place so dark, so strange. I haven't uh, read it yet. Wink. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Readers. Listeners. The listeners. Yeah. People who like butts. Butts. But Everybody likes them. Butts. Not everybody likes them. Oh. Kim is taking a hard life. <laughs> I'm just saying in, in the abstract. Hot take. Hot take. Butts overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, we can't thank you enough for explaining Lisa Claypass to us. Yeah, really thank you, thank you both, Kim and Isabel, for um, giving me a rundown. Yeah, next time we want to do like a three-hour discussion, you let me know. Yeah, I mean, I think we already, I think we just did. <laughs> Close reads of every novel. Close reads. <laughs> let me know. Item by item, shot by shot. Sounds good. I just don't trust Hallmark movies. I think we should read the book and then watch the Hallmark movie and do a live tweet. Maybe we'll do it on a Christmas because I don't watch anything seasonally inappropriate. All right. This is a boner on us. This has been a boner on us. Thanks, hey, Kim. Hey, you don't owe us anything. This boner's on us. <laughs> no boners free. Hey, no such thing as a free boner. And that means that you got to rate us five stars and like us and tell your mom, your grandma, and Subscribe to and us all your on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. That's how you pay us for our boner on us. Anyway, listeners, you know what to do. Loosen your stays. But never your principles. Mwah. Mwah. Hey folks, it's Morgan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Our logo is by Mary Reichman and our original music and editing is by Nick Gravelin. They're the best. Feeling woeful about waiting a whole week for more Womance? 
Well, chin up, Buttercup. You can creep or connect with us anytime on Twitter. We're at woe underscore mance or Instagram, womance, all one word. You can also find us on Tumblr at womance.tumblr.com. If you prefer to be more direct, why not send us an email? We're womancemail at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you. And don't forget to tune in next week.